You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Step onto the sexy streets of animal attraction that is New York City. Welcome to Pets in the City, Life in the Urban Jungle. Join host Diane West as she explores the exciting lives, loves, and laments of the people and pets in the world's greatest city. Pets in the City, like the city itself, has something for everyone. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So get ready to get dressed to the canines and take a bite out of the Big Apple with your Pets in the City host, Diane West. Hello, all you cyber cats, kittens, canines, and creatures under all creation. This is Diane West from Pets in the City, coming at you from the greatest city in the world, of course. That would be New York City. How are you? I'm thinking this episode of Pets in the City is really going to be extremely educational for you. I know it was definitely educational for me. The bad news is is New York City, as you know, being one of the largest cities in the country, if not the world, gets tens upon thousands of cats and dogs and, and actually a quite number of other things surrendered to their New York City shelter system every year, um, tens and thousands upon them. Unfortunately, in years past, more than 50% of these poor guys got put to sleep because there just is simply no room for them. However, that changed in um, the early 2000s with the creation of the Mayor's Alliance for New York City Animals, headed by President Jane Hoffman. We're going to be talking with her a little bit more about what she does and what she's been able to accomplish in uh, nine short years, which is really quite extraordinary. We'll be right back. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the City will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties, Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? Yeah, as I was saying, you could just imagine that, unfortunately, the, the shelters here still continue to be flooded with with a lot of cats and dogs who just simply, for whatever reason, ended up without a home. I I can't even begin to tell you the, the breadth of how many reasons uh cats and dogs come into the shelters anything from you know uh i'm moving to you know 
some of them get confiscated during the course of uh, crimes. It, it's just incredible. So, unfortunately, the end result is a lot of them, and as I said, tens upon thousands of them end up in the shelters. And um, we just don't have the place to for them to go. Um, so we have an innovative program here called the Mayor's Alliance for New York City Animals, which, as I said, it was started um, in, in the early 2000s. And it's headed by Jane Hoffman, who is uh, president. And she has been able to do some extraordinary things, and it, to the point that the... New York City Mayor's Alliance template may indeed be used for um, other templates for other cities. I had a conversation with Jane, very frank one, and as you can imagine, not only is, is there a lot of good news, there are, when you're working with that many people and that many groups, she works with over 100 groups, you will have your challenges, and there have been a number of challenges recently with some of the founding members of uh, the Mayor's Alliance for New York City Animals, um, two very large groups that had been founding members are, are now going through a number of changes. And we also had a very scary outbreak of uh, a weird disease at one of the Brooklyn shelters. So I had a sit down with Jane and she really was quite frank about talking about all these things, the triumphs as well as the challenges. Let's, uh, let's sit down with her. Okay, Jane, so I'm just going to start, I guess, by having you tell folks that may not live in New York City or, or who may live here not familiar with the Mayor's Alliance a, a little bit about the history of the Mayor's Alliance and what it is that you are and what you do. Uh, the Mayor's Alliance is a group of animal rescue groups and shelters um, that came together we started in 2000 and, well, 2003 was our first full year of operation, um, and we have founding members um, who were basically the brick-and-mortar shelters in New York City and one of the foster care kennel vet groups, um, City Critters, and along with the ASPCA, the Humane Society of New York, Bark Shelter in Williamsburg, and Animal Haven um, in Queens. And we came together to form a not-for-profit organization, and it is working with the city of New York towards the day when no New York City cat or dog of reasonable health or temperament is killed simply because he or she does not have a home. Um, our efforts basically focus on animal care and control of New York City, which is our open admission shelter, uh, our city shelter, even though it actually is a private not-for-profit. It has a contract with the city of New York to provide animal care and control services to New York. And New York City, and uh, we work with them because they have the animals at risk, um, and we are uh, basically transferring animals out of animal care and control to our member groups, which range from ASPCA down to smaller mom-and-pop groups in the five boroughs uh, to help get them adopted. So that transfer effort as well as the direct adoptions to the public from animal care and control itself is really what's reducing euthanasia in New York City. And now as far as the Alliance participating organizations, uh, how many do you guys have now? We have over a hundred organizations that we work with. Um, most of them are what we call Maddie's Pet Partners. They are uh, groups that are working on getting animals adopted and they uh, are partners with Maddie's Fund which is our major grant. Or uh, We got a Maddie's Fund grant in 2005 and our plan under um, that grant is to make what New York what's called a no-kill city by 2015. 
So we secured the grant in 2005. We have a 10-year strategic plan that was submitted at the same time that we applied for the Maddie's Fund grant. Um, and what we mean by no-kill is that exactly what I said before, that we don't kill cats or dogs of reasonable health and temperament simply because we don't have homes for them right now. Now, that's one of the things I definitely wanted to talk to you about, to find no-kill. That's one of the questions that I'm constantly being asked about no-kill. Now, no-kill, as you said, is a animal of reasonable health and temperament. There are some that ask me, okay, what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, you're not going to adopt out a vicious pit bull or, I'm sorry, Rottweiler or Chihuahua? Let me not... <laughs> let me not... Good uh, catch. Not Good catch. There. Or health, unfortunately, you know... For, for mm-hmm. animal yeah, well, basically, under the... Um, under the... Uh, Maddie's fun definition. Um, it's healthy or treatable. And that means that healthy both um, temperamentally and physically healthy or treatable, that it's something that if we treat it, they could get better from it. And, you know, basically, exactly, we are, it doesn't mean that no animal is ever euthanized, but they are euthanized in the true meaning of the word, which means they are either too ill or injured for us at this point in time to be able to save them, or they are too dangerous to other animals or people to safely adopt them out. You know, we would hope that there comes a time when those animals can be sanctuary, that we will have so completely dealt with the problem of completely healthy and treatable animals being, you know, able to be adopted or you know, with our spay-neuter efforts to never be born in the first place, um, that we will be able to, you know, sanctuary these these animals or have the medical resources to help them. But at this point in time, the cats and dogs we're focusing on are those that are considered healthy or treatable under um, Maddie's Fund's definitions. So a no-kill or no-euthanasia rate is actually what percentage of animals coming in that would be euthanized and how many, like, how many would be adopted Mm -hmm. and how many would be... Euthanized. Well, in 19, let's put it this way. In 2002, the year before the Alliance started, or the year it was forming, our first full year of operation, as I said, was 2003, mm-hmm. um, the euthanasia rate or the kill rate, whatever number you want to use, and we always look at it as total intake. So of all the cats and dogs, the total intake that went into AC&C, we were killing and I use the word we because it's the community that's doing it, not just that individual agency that has that task, we're killing 74% of the cats and dogs that went into animal care and control. By what, the end of, like 2002 and prior to 2002. that? Wow. I'm sorry. I don't know. I mean, I'm just basing it off of the year before I could go right. back and get those percentages. But I think the important thing from my point of view, because of the way we've structured this plan, is in 2002... 74% of all the cats and dogs that went in were killed. The end of last year, 2008, we had reduced that to 39% of intake. So well, you can see that's a pretty dramatic reduction, but that was by building an infrastructure that was going to be able to be sustained. So really what we've been doing is building what's a large, what is really a large marketing and distribution plan or network. By that I mean you need to get the animals out of animal care and control to the other agencies, their partner agencies, their, the other alliance members that would then be able to get them adopted, would be able to advertise these dogs and cats available for adoption, get them out to a larger market, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And that's the way we've done that. Our plan is to have reduced euthanasia by 5% every year till we get down to the point, and we'll know it when we'll see it. It's sort of like pornography in the Supreme Court. You're going to know it when you see it. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
it's, you know. Well, you know, and now that's, I mean, and that's, I, I guess, why I was asking that question, you know, because no kill means, you know, something different to everyone. So thank you for, um, you know, defining what that means as far as the marriage alliance in New York City is concerned. Um, I guess another thing I wanted to ask was, you know, you have a kind of unenviable position <laughs> where you have to kind of corral you know, like you said, a hundred plus, you know, community groups who all have their own, uh, shall we say, take on how to adopt dead animals. Would that be fair to say? Mm-hmm. So how do you keep them together? How do you just keep them from not, you know, revolting or become colonies mm-hmm. of, you know, New mm-hmm. Jersey or something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that was really, we did a lot of, um, you know, building of relationships at the beginning, actually prior to us having the large Maddie's Fund grant that we eventually got. Um, and we did that by just doing things that were, as we put, you know, in in more complicated speak, tangible manifestations of our collaboration together. And that was we created these orange adopt me vests that have uh, they're like the orange mesh that the guys mm-hmm. who work on the highways wear, um, and it has patches on the shoulder that say "Adopt Me" in uh, in yellow with uh, black lettering, and it basically, you know, it, it, we gave those out to all the groups so that all the dogs would be. Um, all the dogs would be wearing that. So every dog for adoption in New York City from any group would supposedly be wearing those either when they're being walked from their foster homes or whatever, or they would be, you know, at events. And the other thing we did is we had mass adoption events in Central Park that would bring all the groups together and uh, they would be able to see each other. We gave them grants to buy the same kind of equipment, Um, the orange, orange, not orange, the white tents that you often see in green markets. They all had to have t-shirts identifying their groups. They'd all be using the... orange adopt me vest and it gave sort of a uniform appearance it also allowed the groups to meet each other because there really was no forum that most of them came together in Mm -hmm. so it was a chance for them to meet and see each other it was a a chance for the community to actually see all these groups working together we then got one transport van so we were beginning to transport animals from animal care control that the groups wanted to whatever facility they were using if they needed it obviously the bigger groups like the ASPCA didn't need this but the smaller groups did. Um, we also had training sessions because part of what we're doing is pr- trying to professionalize what these groups are, are doing. Um, they're already doing good work. We just want to make them better and more efficient at it. Training That's a sessions. bit important point because like, you know, when you say marketing, a lot of people grew up with and probably still have, you know, oh, you know, I found an animal. Let me give it to the crazy cat lady on the block over there. But really mm-hmm. that is in effect a rescue person and a lot of these small groups really um, Mm -hmm. don't seem to know how to market or get out there in an effective way that they do have animals for adoption. Exactly, really good point. I mean just the fact that we had them all with these white tents with, they had to have banners with their logo, their name, their contact information on it, they had to have this, you know, the t-shirts and just the idea that you have to get your name out into the community because the community isn't going to be able to support you or know they even should be supporting you if you don't, you know, create a presence. Um, so that was part of what we did, how to market themselves, how to do better adoptions, how to, um, you know, just get the word out about themselves and their animals. No, that's one of our core objectives, really, basically, is we have core, four core objectives in the, in the 10-year strategic plan, uh, which we're happy to share with anybody. Um, but it's to increase adoptions, which, you know, seems like a no-brainer. But, you know, what we meant by that was 
getting animals into, you know, innovative new venues where we could get them in front of the public. So it was using the city parks, which everybody uses. Um, it was using uh, Madison Square Garden for the Adopt-A-Cat event we do in connection with the cat show. It was doing Broadway Barks in, in connection with the theater community in July. Um, it was the second objective is to decrease homelessness by, and by that we mean um, promoting responsible pet ownership, microchipping, licensing, making sure people know they need to provide you know lifetime care to the animal, and it's also increasing spay neuter in the feral and the pet community. Um, the third one was raising awareness, which was about the groups themselves, but also the animals in their care. The first time we had the Central Park event, I would be standing there listening to all these people go through saying, I can't believe these are shelter animals. These are great yeah. animals. And I didn't even know I had a group in my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and then the, the fourth and final core objective was really uh, providing resources to the group, um, strength training, making them better at what they did, what we just discussed. And yeah, and fi finances obviously as well mm -hmm. to get stuff. Now it hasn't been without its bumps, like anything that grows. Let's face it; one of the lightning rods has been and continues to be the ACNC because mm -hmm. I, I guess just by virtue of the fact that they must take any animal that's surrendered to them. Mm -hmm. um, now, with the Mayor's Alliance organizations, some of the criticisms I've heard. Um, let me let me just throw two out there and they're very different um one is that sometimes the groups will come in there like you know i don't say like abc rescue will come mm -hmm. in and quote unquote this is the term i hear cherry pick the mm -hmm. most adoptable animals leaving the ac and c with the most problematic animals and therefore <laughs> you know you know making them unfortunately right. put them asleep um so i mean that that's one criticism i heard and then another one i guess more recently was i guess and you know about this but you know one of the groups was saying that they had alerted the city to a health problem that was happening in the brooklyn shelters and and because mm -hmm. it wasn't caught in time dogs were adopted out to upstate new york that their shelter had to be quarantined so i, I know those are two mm -hmm. different problems, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. did, did you have any uh, comments sure. on that? Sure. Yeah, the first one is, the, you know, the cherry picking is, I don't think, interestingly enough, I don't think the groups feel that, and I don't think the ACC feels that. Um, I think what happens is, you know, there's certain animals that come in that are certainly probably more quickly adoptable, and, you know, every group wants to have that. But, you know, the ACC did somewhere between eight and 9,000 adoptions last year, and we did uh, about transfers were somewhere around 13,600. That's what's making the difference in reducing euthanasia. I think that the people who are responsible for having to um, kill or euthanize the animals are just happy they go out the front door on four feet. Um, mm -hmm. I think that there's always going to be certain animals that, you know, ACC would probably want to keep for adoptions and one of the groups, ABC group, would want to get out because they think they have the perfect waiting home. Um, but I think, it, you know, this is just one of the constant, you know, tugging back and forth. Um, and what I'm just happy about is that people, everybody's rushing to get that one cat or that one dog. That's great. Um, I think the groups take an enormous amount of animals that need substantial veterinary care after they get them. So I, I do think it balances out. I'm sure in the heat of the moment over one animal or the other, there probably are harsh words spoken, but that doesn't, um, you know, break the the basic re working relationship. And that's the important thing. I think, 
you know, while I care about each individual animal, I think everybody does know we're trying to keep our eye on the larger picture, which is reducing euthanasia to, you know, this year from 39 down 5 more percent. Um, so right. we can continue on our goal. I mean, this is a multi-year plan. This is not anybody who thinks they can go whatever they mean by no-kill overnight is deluding themselves. You must do this in a slow, build, you know, programs with substance that are sustainable. That's the well, only way. Well, you yourself said to adjust the, uh, you bumped it up, right? It was, was the original goal 2010 and now it's 2015? No, you know, the, the, oh, 2008. <laughs> I love it's 2008 these, for yeah, something. These numbers, these numbers keep, I mean, people keep bouncing around and I think where they come from is early on when we started in 2003, in our mm -hmm. great naivete, we thought we were going to get the Maddie's Fund grant like the next day. Um, it then mm -hmm. took two years and about 20 years off my life, in fact, to get it. <laughs> Um, but the first cycle, the first um, grant cycle that Maddie's Fund had set back then when we were applying for it was five years. Mm. So in 2003, as I said in our naivete, thinking we would get it, that's where I think the first number of 2008 came from. Yeah. Mm. Um, 2010, I have no idea where anybody ever got 2010 <laughs> because once we got, that's a mystery to me. Once okay. we got, I'll, I'll own 2008, but 2010, I have no idea. <laughs> 2015 is the date because it's a 10-year plan. Maddie's Fund currently has a seven-year funding cycle, so we will receive funding from 2005 through 2012. We have been putting away a third of everything we get from Maddie's Fund to fund the last three years of our plan when their funding will have gone away. So our plan is 2015. I, I have no idea where 2010 came from. Okay. No, I, I you know, it's just, I think I, mm -hmm. I didn't see that one too commonly, but I saw 2008 and then I noticed. It, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, that was in our enthusiasm. We thought we would get it right <laughs> away and it took us two years, as I said. Um, now, so, all right, so we got that. Now, what about the, the health situation? Um, again, yeah, again, that was, I mean, that was a very, um, you know, fortunately, Cornell has been working um, with uh, ACC, um, Dr. Jan Scarlett from Cornell Vet School, who actually is one of um, a Maddie's Fund recipient for shelter medicine program up at Cornell. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, what happened was there was an, uh, an outbreak of um, strep zoo which is a very deadly and very quick um, illness that strikes dogs. It actually comes from uh, horses, so we're not quite clear where it even came from. But what happened was some of the animals had been transferred out prior to them really being able to identify what it was. You know, and it's a, it, we had other animals that went out to other Alliance members, um, none of which actually had any animals that were transferred to them during that period of time uh, die, thank God. You know, many of them already have isolation procedure uh, protocols in place, uh, which actually we encourage all, all groups to do. Um, you know, when they take an animal out of animal control, they really should isolate them until they're, you know, convinced that they're healthy before they put them in their general population. I'm not sure exactly what happened with this upstate group. They're not a member of the alliance, so we were not as involved with that and you know I'm sorry I, I understand no dogs actually passed away which is a blessing right. um, you know I'm sure they did incur some costs but that's kind of comes with the territory unfortunately a lot of times and I'm kind of surprised if there's a shelter that they didn't have ISO protocols in place so I mean you're just not to make a pun but uh, you're, mm -hmm. you're saying it's the zoonotic diseases or the nature of the beast there <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible, that's, but we'll let you get away a, with it. I know that's bad. Yes. I'm sorry. I mean, it's just well. I mean, it's it's a. It's, but a city it was a particularly it was a particularly nasty. The good news was it's a very fragile 
um, bacteria, and it's a bacteria, not a virus. Um, so it did. It was. You can kill it fairly easily. Um, it's also the other good news is it's extremely susceptible to um, penicillin. Um, which is not a particularly expensive drug. That was the good news. The bad news is it comes, it kills almost without warning, and it happens very, very quickly. So do I wish they caught it earlier at ACC? Yes, but I think they did catch it, and then I think they did do what they needed to do. But, you know, it's one of those situations where I think the takeaway from that is we need to, you know, set up a better maybe crisis communications protocol. This just has never happened before, something like this. Um, so, so has it helped you guys put into place, I guess, something to... Yeah, we're actually working on it right now. Actually, the um, ASPCA and the ACC and the Alliance are all trying to figure out what's the best way to have handled this. I mean, I did send... Once I had really concrete evidence from Cornell, um, they had written a very useful um, just sort of description about the disease and what had happened and, and um, which we sent out to the Alliance and what you should be doing. Um, and that was sent out to the entire Alliance members, you know, participating organizations telling them this had happened. But, you know, the thing you want to be careful about is you just don't, you know, jump before you really know what's going on. And, um, you know, until Cornell could confirm what was going on, we were sort of at a standstill about what we should be doing. Right, right. So, uh, yeah. Um, also, no. the good news is that the, none of the dogs at ACC, beyond the um, several of them that had died prior to them being able to identify, um, no animals died after that. And it doesn't jump to cats, thank God. So. Yeah, oh, that that would be another <laughs> goodness. That would be a nightmare, yeah. Like, yeah, especially because, I mean, the cats outnumber the dogs, I believe, right? Yes, yeah. completely. I mean, actually, in our plan, where we are getting to the point is it's become apparently clear that cats um, and some of the larger breed dogs are really more of an issue for us at this point. And cats, both free-roaming, stray, and, you know, what would be considered really feral. Um, and we, the only way to do that is going to be with the ferals is to trap, neuter, return mm-hmm. um, our way out of this and to bump up spay-neuter for um, owned cats you know, as much as possible. We actually have calculated that we need somewhere in the neighborhood of 60,000 spay-neuter surgeries in New York City to start to stop the intake rate and to start to reduce it. I had read somewhere, not necessarily New York, actually it wasn't New York, but I I had read somewhere that some shelters are saying, you know what, we're just not even going to count the cats because there's just too many of them. And we're just, unfortunately, the implication was the euthanasia rate you hear about for the cats is probably artificially low because they just, they don't count anymore. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but... Here? No, no, not here, but, you know, in the (laughs) country, not not here in New York Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really unfortunate attitude because, you know, that I think that to a certain extent comes out of the fact that by law some um, animal controls are not required to take cats um, because, you know, animal control originally originated or was created um, because of rabies to combat rabies in dogs. Um, and, you know, there's dog licensing. There's not a lot of cat li- cat licensing, which I wouldn't recommend anyway, but... You know, so that's I think another a lot conversation. Of, yeah, exactly. It's another whole conversation. I think cats have to be included into this, and fortunately, in New York City, cats are. All right. So, just I guess to dovetail a little bit into um, you know your continuing efforts toward toward no kill, the definition of no kill as as established by the Mayor's Alliance in New York City. Um, now, Animal Haven, which was one of your founding 
members um, has now gone through some changes, and they used to mm-hmm. take in all animals. Was it true that they took in pretty much all animals, and now there is part of the changes are going to start being more no. discretionary? No, no, I think that was a miscommunication. Um, Animal Haven has never been an open admission shelter. Never. Okay. The only open admission shelter in New York City is animal care and control, which by law is required to take all animals that come to them. All of the others are what we call limited admission, which means they can pick and choose who they take in. Animal Haven did take animals, as do all our other groups from ACC, from the public, and, you know, I don't think they ever went out and rescued from the street like some of the groups do, but, you know, they did take from the public. But they are not, were never an open admission shelter. It really, that was a bad miscommunication on their part, I think, if that was coming from them, that they were somehow changing their status. They never were an open admission shelter. So what's basically happening is they are closing their flushing shelter, which they've been doing a very good job about transferring and adopting out all of, and most of the animals there were cats, I understand, um, they're cats. They will then continue their operations with just the Soho Adoption Center and their adoption van. They will continue to take from the public on the same basis that they took before, which was basically, you know, it, it, just like the ASPCA and Bidoui and Humane Society have intake days for the public for which you have to make an appointment, a, you know, I believe that's the way Animal Haven will continue to do that as well. That was their policy before, and it's really not changing. They just won't be in Queens anymore. And, you know, my response to people, if they're annoyed at Animal Haven or angry at Animal Haven, I would suggest that the, the agency or the entity they should be annoyed with is the city for not having a full-service shelter in Queens. And actually, that brings us to something else. I appreciate you answering a lot of these questions, because these are questions I get from people Mm -hmm. from various means. But um, now, that that brings us to straight from the heart, right? That's Mm -hmm. actually, they actually are suing the city because there are not enough intake shelters, I guess, in certain parts Mm -hmm. of the boroughs. Is that it? Well, Animal Care and Control now has three full-service shelters. They have one in Manhattan on East 110th Street. They have one out in Staten Island on Veterans Boulevard, and they have one in Brooklyn on Linden Boulevard. They have an intake center, which is only open a couple of days a week um, in in Queens and the Bronx. I have not read the papers for the suit, but it's my understanding that they are bringing an action, a claim that the city uh, is in violation of the law that would have required them to build full-service shelters in all of the boroughs, which would have been obviously the Bronx and Queens, and that they are in violation of the law, and they—that's what this—and they're suing them for damages for not having them open. What do you think about that? Well, I think that there, you know, would be nice to have a full service shelters in all of the boroughs. I think that, you know, again, it's a it's a money issue though, and the it's my understanding that the the um, budget for the for animal care and control, which they get through the health department, has been cut by at least a half a million. It may be an additional half million for a total million dollar cut in their budget. I think they can barely run their three uh, shelters, full service shelters, on that now. Um, I'm concerned what would happen if they had uh, full-service shelters in all the boroughs. My my concern would be, if okay, if we're going to do that, then there needs also to be sufficient funding to run mm-hmm. those shelters as well. Now, this kind of also leads to, you know, if we have our hands full 
already with the animals that you know we have and, and more more than full i will bring to you i guess my final problematic <laughs> question <laughs> that i've got about we haven't a lot of animals as it is we we, we even have to the point where uh some of the the rescue groups are straight from the heart. The particular is is suing the city, saying that look, you're not even, you're not doing a good enough job. And yet, at the same time, you have um, places like North Shore Animal League, which is part of the alliance. And I actually just saw something from the ASPCA uh, this morning, shipping in puppies and other animals from rescue mills and whatever uh that's one of the things i hear that drives people crazy they're like why are we shipping in puppies and i think the aspca is looking for a shipment of uh, shih tzus and other dogs from from tennessee and things like that well i but, think you got to make a distinction between getting dogs from puppy mills which neither of those organizations do and accepting dogs that have been rescued from puppy mills that have been busted thank god mm-hmm. so uh, it's my understanding though again I don't know. I haven't really looked into that, but the brief thing I read about it is those are actually dogs that are coming from a puppy mill that was, thank God, closed in Tennessee. Now, those puppies have to go somewhere. The South is actually very far behind the Northeast in controlling their overpopulation with humane means. They don't have enough spay neuter. A lot of these puppy mills are located down there. So, you know, again, we... We are at a we're in a situation where we do have um, a market for smaller dogs and puppies. Um, mm-hmm. Do I want everybody to rush out and go get them? No, um, you know. But when a rescue situation presents itself, and it's a question of do they, all these puppies die, or do they get taken by groups that probably can adopt them out to very good homes? I'm not going to tell these groups what to do. Um, I mean, you know, one of the reasons the alliance works is that I don't control the internal operations of individual organizations. If they're doing something that's very problematic, I'm going to probably talk to them about it. But, you know, a rescue of puppy mill puppies, I'm really not going to argue about that. And with respect to North Shore, North Shore is doing so much to support the effort of the Alliance in New York City, I can't even begin to tell you. They, I think we have, I don't know how many of their vans we're using um, this month for our I Love New York City Pets Month adoption drive, but they give us, completely free of charge, the use of every weekend of at least one, if not two or three, of their mobile adoption vans, which we then parcel out to the groups to who then choose areas in their neighborhood that they bring their animals out in a nice surrounding in front of maybe a PetSmart or in front of a local store um, that wants them there to get their animals adopted. So as far as the New York effort, North Shore is being incredibly supportive. Um, They also pull animals from animal care and control. And if any of the animals they've adopted out do end up in in, um, animal control, by and large, they take them back. Do they work with rescue partners in the South? Yes, they do. Uh, They also do spay and neuter prior to placement. Um, so it's not like they're importing a problem that's just going to then, you know, explode on us somewhere else. You know, if the other thing you have to realize is this is American. People want what they want. I'd rather them adopt an animal uh, from a shelter than go to a, a pet store and buy one. Uh, because we have 25% of, our, of the shelter. There's an estimate nationwide that 25% of the animals in shelters are purebreds. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just get- amazing. It's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and if they're getting them from pet stores and then dumping them later in their lives 
which they often do, unspayed or neutered, and with all the attendant health problems that that brings on, like mammary tumors and testicular mm-hmm. cancer. Um, you know, I'd rather have them get those dogs from shelters where they're already microchipped, spayed or neutered, and, you know, there's a they won't be just sold to anybody who comes in and wants to buy one. One of the, I think, unique things that the Mayor's Alliance does is you also work with the purebred rescue groups as well and and even have like a working relationship with with the purebred rescue groups and mm-hmm. and uh Westminster when it comes here every February I have to tell you some people absolutely scream at me because you know I cover mm-hmm. Westminster and they're like how could mm-hmm. you be covering purebred dogs uh, you know when there's so many dogs in the shelters I mean do do you ever get um criticisms like that too well, we have a very close relationship with the Cat Fanciers Association, which has a right. very responsible um, policy about spaying and neutering any cat that is not, you know, going to be a show cat. Um, in fact, the, the current president actually is a, a feral cat person. So we that's why we do the Madison Square Garden show with them. That's how that started. Um, and that's a very successful show for us. We usually adopt about 200 cats over the weekend. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I, I have... One of yeah. your cats in my house, actually, from that yes, show. Yes, yes, from that show, probably. <laughs> um, yes, uh, and then, uh, you know, with and our purebred groups, yeah, I definitely, I want every purebred group that wants to join us that does rescue because I'd rather have, again, if people want a purebred dog, I'd rather have them adopt them from a shelter. Um, or a rescue group that specializes in that breed. Like we have Metropolitan Maltese, and if you want to adopt a Maltese, a small white fluffy dog, I would rather have them go to Metropolitan Maltese Rescue and and rescue them than go to a pet store and buy one. So I, you know, I mean, and again, I just go back to this 25% of the animals in shelters are purebred. If those folks, those rescue groups want to step up and rescue their breed and they spay and neuter them prior to adoption, that's fine by me. Um, we don't have that close a relationship with Westminster at this point. Um, and, you know, I, I do have problems with the AKC because I think that they're, the way they register dogs is actually what's supporting puppy mills in this country. Um, but I think Westminster as a celebration of dogs is, is a wonderful event. Yeah, no, because you did have some pro, you know, I'm thinking just you had some protesters outside um, mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. this year now or other mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Well. well, you know, uh, the other thing the other thing that, that you need to know, I mean, about the alliance is our mission is to stay neutered, to adopt, to reduce euthanasia. That's it. I don't talk about other issues, and I don't even talk about some issues that people think, why aren't you talking about humane education? Why aren't you talking about, you know, a pets and apartment legislation is because this is an alliance with a very difficult mission. That's what we need to focus on. If there's individual member organizations that want to go off and do other things like the, you know, the ASPCA and the Humane Society both have lobbying and legislation departments and they do a lot of great stuff. That's wonderful. That's not what the alliance does. So we don't talk about many things like pigeons and carriage horses, all of which are close to my heart personally. But as the alliance, we're silent about that. Our mission is to increase spay-neuter, increase adoptions, decrease the killing of cats and dogs at the shelter, period. Mm -hmm. Now, and particularly this month, you're probably, you know, happy to see that it's what I love New York City Pets Month, that that kind of working relationship kind of manifesting itself to the public. Tell me how that's going so Mm -hmm. far. So far, it's going great. We were just on, we had an opportunity to be on the Mike and Juliet show with um, Kim Saunders from Pet Finders, who just wrote a wonderful book called Adoption A to Z, 
which I would mm-hmm. urge everyone who was looking to adopt to read. I think it's from adoption through the, you know what you can expect to after you've adopted a cat or a dog. But uh, we went on that with four of our uh, four dogs. One was a purebred beagle from the Maine Society of New York named Valentina. In uh-huh. Valentine's Day, I guess. And um, <laughs> there was a small um, sort of, you know, pointer breed, mixed breed dog who had, um, had a broken leg and was in the foster home and with a group waiting to get better to be adopted. We had Deke, who's this wonderful German Shepherd mix who's blind, a special needs dog who's with Herding Dog Rescue. And mm-hmm. then um, Rocky, who is a male senior pit bull who lost his home because of a divorce mm. but he's the best dog i mean he's a bomb proof dog he's just wonderful and i'm hoping somebody <laughs> steps up and adopts him but we've been having the north shore vans all over the five boroughs basically all month every month several of them um there's been a lot of special events that have taken place um kitty kind did an event um and the maddie mascot showed up to support and the adoption of senior cats so it's been going well and um you know, it's the groups have really continued to pull an enormous amount of animals. I don't think we've ever taken less than a thousand animals out of animal control every month. I think we hit an all-time high in um, January, but it's you know, so it, it's progressing. And this, you know, again, we're hoping that the public really steps up and shows some love to the cats and dogs. Now, is that is that kind of counter to what we're seeing in the rest of the or hearing in the rest of the country as well that the economy is forcing more people to give up their pets? Or are we once again as New York uh, bucking the trend? Um, not really. Unfortunately, there have been a number of of relinquishments, but oddly enough, or fortunately enough, adoptions seem to be holding up. So I think there you know there are people adopting, but there are a lot of folks who unfortunately are having to relinquish their animals as well. Jane, just to sum up, and again, I really appreciate you really tackling mm-hmm. some of these uh, harder questions that people have in their minds. What, mm-hmm. I guess to sum up, what, Jane, keeps you, Jane Hoffman, up at night? And what do you wish would happen so that you could get some sleep? <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was 2015 and we had, you know, reached the point where all of the cats and dogs that are healthy and treatable were able to find homes for. I hope that spay-neuter, um, which is the ASPCA is doing a wonderful, wonderful job throwing an enormous amount of resources into it. They are now running five mobile spay-neuter vans. They have a uh, Sunday, one Sunday or two at Berg Memorial Hospital. When Berg is closed, uh, they're having mass spay-neuter for rescue and feral cats. They will probably be opening up a stationary clinic at some point in 2010. I hope all those efforts really get traction and we can get the level of spay-neuter that we need in the city, you know, really in place uh, so that we can reach our goal by 2015, which I'm confident we can. What do you think the New York City public in general can do to help with those efforts? I mean, even people that might not necessarily be in the market to uh, adopt a cat or a dog, or there are exotics too, right? There's rabbits and there's yeah, parrots. Yeah, there's, ra- well, there's wonderful. We have a wonderful rabbit group. I mean, I talk about cats and dogs because Maddie's, that's what Maddie's Fund is focused on, but we mm-hmm. have bird groups. We have rabbit groups. We have smaller pocket pet groups. What I wish the public would do is if they do have a cat or dog in their home that they did not get from a shelter and is not, or rescue group is not already spayed or neutered, to really seek out some of this free or low-cost spay or neuter that's now available in the city at the Humane Society of New York or the ASPCA. We're doing a free spay neuter for cats at the Brooklyn Shelter, the Alliance is this weekend with generous support of PetSmart and Petco. Mm-hmm. 
seek out spay neuter because that's what we need. We need these, you know, these animals that are not gotten from animal rescue groups or shelters. We need them to, um, you know, get spayed and neutered so they're not contributing to the problem. And even if you don't need, like, a, if you're all set with your cats and dogs in, in your house with spay and neuter, I've often, like, heard it even in my own building, like, you know, if there's mm-hmm. an elderly person or, or someone on assistance that you can mm-hmm. you can tell them, hey, you know, there's a free mm-hmm. spare clinic for you. Don't oh, yeah, there. yeah. If you've already taken care of your, your little tribe, your little herd, mm-hmm. really reach out to your neighbors and even the wider community and urge people to get their animals spayed or neutered because, you know, even if you don't care about the cats and dogs themselves, it, it, it becomes a quality of life issue with, you know, stray cats or stray dogs. And, you know, people can address that by just urging their neighbors not to, you know, if a cat has not been spayed or neutered or neutered and starts spraying or exhibiting what you consider an objectionable behavior, but the cat thinks is a perfectly acceptable behavior, you know, not to throw that cat out, um, that it's a very simple fix to get them spayed or neutered. Um, So don't, you know, people really need to know that they really should not abandon their cat or dog. If they absolutely cannot keep it, they really need to bring it to the shelter or try to rehome it themselves because putting it on the street is really bad from a public health point of view, from a humane point of view, and, and really is retarding our ability to reach our goal. No, exactly. So uh, thank you, Jane, for, for visiting with us today. And uh, can we visit with you again in, in a few months, see how things are going? Sure, I'd love to. Come and check in with us. That would be great. And thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us and uh, find out what the Alliance is up to. No, thank you, Jane. Okay, take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, yes, as you can hear, um, there are extraordinary challenges to being um, Jane Hoffman. However, um, if you look at the stats before the Mayor's Alliance and you look at them now, you know, whether you are looking at them with a critical eye, even um, you could still see that there has been tremendous, tremendous change for the benefit of the animals, which, which is great. We'll be right back to see what's happening this month, um, February, which has been deemed I Love New York City Pets Month. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the City will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Schools in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties, Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast, right, Diane? And I wanted to thank Jane for uh, making the time for us. She, as you can imagine, she is a very, very busy woman, uh, really working tirelessly uh, for the animals here in New York City. And I really use that term quite literally. I, I see her everywhere, just uh, really trying to help the animals out. So that'll about do it for this episode. I wanted to let you guys know that if you did want to go adopt an animal this month, again, this is called I Love NYC Pets Month, you know, fitting for February, the month of love and Valentine's Day. There's still some of a lot of cool events going on, and you should log on to AnimalAllianceNYC.org, and you'll find out all about them. That's A-N-I-M-A-L-A-L-L-I-A-N-C-E. NYC.org. Um, definitely check out the Pet Life Radio website, and I'll, I'll put that up there too. And of course, uh, New York Tales will bring you um, the number of other events that are going on as well. We'll list the I Love New York City Pet Month uh, events as well, but also, you know, all the other fun, cool, happening, and hip things that are going on. Uh, there's a lot of uh, art gallery fundraisers and other kind of fun fundraisers. One thing I have to say about the fundraisers in New York City, especially with pets, is they are so creative. I mean, you think that they came up with the fantastic idea one day and then boom, next day they, they really surprise you. So they really put the fun in fundraising, I must say. Anyway, that'll about do it for this episode of Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio. Again, thanking Jane Hoffman for visiting with us. Stay tuned next week for our next installment of The City Pound. Victoria and I are having so much fun doing that, sitting down with these really cool musicians and talking to them not only about their work with animals, but you know also their work in general. So stay tuned, and we'll have another episode of that for you next week. Otherwise... For the time being, this is Diane West, publisher of New York Tales Magazine here in New York and host of Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio. Thanking our sponsors for keeping us on the air and how you can help our sponsors keep us on the air is, of course, please visit them and take a look at their products. A lot of them are very cool. And I thank my producer, Mark Winter, who, of course, always puts up with me and I do appreciate it, Mark. Shout out to you. And I will talk to you guys next week. Until then, take care. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting muttropolis. The sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City. With your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.